Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Today is Wednesday, January 30th, 2019, and I'm coming to you today from frosty Atlanta, Georgia, where I woke up to 21 degrees earlier this morning, but as you'll hear in a moment or two, who am I to complain? It was plus 21 here as compared to what's going on in the Midwest, where 21 below is what Chicago woke up to this morning, and that's minus 21 degrees. That's amazing. And that's not the wind chill either. The wind chill was actually 51 below zero, if you can believe that. And we too should say a prayer today for our friends in the franchise world and the Twin Cities, where the temperatures are even lower than that, and power outages have left thousands without heat. What a contrast from a week ago when I came to you from West Palm Beach on my way to Fort Lauderdale. And speaking of last week, high fives to Dr. John Hayes and his team and all the speakers who participated in the Franchise Sales Boot Camp at Palm Beach Atlantic University's Titus Center for Franchising. There were more than 100 franchise executives in attendance, many of whom, like me, were on their way to Fort Lauderdale for Franchise Expo South. Both of these were great events that FRM Solutions and yours truly were proud to sponsor and participate in. And the last word on last week is my thanks again to my partner in FRM Solutions, as well as being the co-founder and chief marketing technology officer for FRM's parent company, Arc Systems. Chris Spears gave us a tremendous insight into something he's extremely passionate about and calls digital transformation. Chris was a great guest, and we thank him again for sharing that time with us here on Franchise Today last week. We talked a bit about the weather. (laughs) I'm guessing that right now in the green room, sitting back in the green room, uh, our guest who's headquartered today from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and uh, is with a company called Solink. I'm guessing Jim is back there just kind of laughing his head off at us, talking about all this frigid weather in the south, uh, where these guys are up there in that part of the world, these kinds of temperatures aren't just uh, coincidental occurrences. I'm sure they're more a way of, of life. But Jim will weigh in on that uh, in a few minutes when we bring him on. But first, I've got the good fortune to be able to introduce you to another Jim. This is Jim Fliss, who heads SBA lending nationwide for KeyBank. And is going to take a few minutes on the front of the show today to share some insights on a significant issue that impacts us all in franchising. And that's the recent government shutdowns effect on SBA lending. So with that, I'm going to ask Jim Fliss to come on and slide in and welcome you, Jim, to uh, Franchise Today. Stan, thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, glad to be calling in from balmy uh, negative five degree Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd have something to say about that, but it's the other Jim that's going to be the tail of the tape when it comes to the northern environs. So Jim, <laughs> give us a word or two, a word or two first about KeyBank and your role at KeyBank, and then let's ask just a couple of lightning round questions for you and the audience uh, will benefit from your insight on what the impact of this shutdown means to those in waiting in wait for an SBA loan. You bet. I um I am the national SBA manager for KeyBank. I've uh, been in the role um I've been with this group for about 7 years prior I ran credit. Uh we are the 10th largest SBA lender in the country right now, Stan. So and I, what does that mean? What does that mean in, in, in dollars? What, what kind of dollars go, go through SBA lending for a key bank? About 300 and, uh, $350 million, uh, a year. 
So that's a whole lot of uh, that's a whole lot of franchise business, Jim. I know an SBA lending is not just franchising, but in the franchise world, it represents a key element to getting franchise deals done. So this government shutdown, it's not really an uncommon event, is it? Or was it? No, actually, they're they're pretty common. Um, this one's a little bit different. I mean, typically these government shutdowns are usually resolved in a few days. Um, in fact, when I looked at the last 20 shutdowns, they've averaged about eight days. So typically, um, never a good time for a shutdown, but typically the, the impact to SBA lending is minimal. So what actually happens when government pulls a shutdown? What happens and where in, in the food chain does the SBA's lending process come to a halt? How far in, what can still happen or what can still be yeah. done? What are applicants doing? Yeah, so so one of the things that um, that we that we must obtain, all banks must obtain approval, or as we call it in the industry, an authorization. So for those um, that had already obtained authorization approvals from the SBA, it was really business as usual, and we, and we were able to process and close those loans. When we knew that the shutdown was looming, um, we worked as fast as we could to obtain as many application numbers, authorization numbers as possible. But unfortunately, for any new requests that came in prior to that, they could not be closed without SBA's approval. So really, Stan, at the end of the day, what we try to do is control what we can control. And then what happens to those applications that were hanging in the wind? Do they get picked unfortunately, up? Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, um, during the shutdown, small businesses that need SBA financing really don't have any alternative but to wait. Right, So we took new applications, we set expectations with our clients um, that the shutdown was going to impact them, and really took the applications and, and, and took the deals as far as we could, meaning obtain everything but that number. So then those, applicants, those applications are still good. Nobody has to reapply because of the shutdown, right? It'll just pick up after the backlog works its way out. Is that the way it'll be? Exactly, exactly. And what would you anticipate the economic in impact of this shutdown to, to mean well, in terms yeah. of SBA? Yeah, you bet. This is important stuff. This is access to capital. Um, as you said, you know, critically important to, to many uh, franchisees um, in small businesses, the growth engine of the economy. To put it in perspective, Stan, um, the SBA manages about 200 loans for working capital and about 120 loans for commercial properties every day. Um, this is about 200 million worth of loans. And, and I had read something interesting during the shutdown. They estimated about 2 billion in SBA approvals had been queued up. So substantial. So um, now the government's back open. How quickly does this all get back on course? How long is it going to take for some of these backlogged approvals to get pushed through? Yeah, I think the, you know, the, the loans that, um, you know, the loan requests were, were placed into a queue, a queue during the shutdown. And there's a chance that this could lead to a bottleneck, particularly for those banks that aren't what we call preferred lenders. So about 90% of the banks have what we call preferred lender status. In essence, they just notify the government um, that they're approving the loan. 10% of the banks have what they call CLP status. So they actually have to take these loans now and send them into uh, the SBA's processing center. Um, and again, when you're talking about a $25 billion industry, about 60 to 65,000 loans, they can queue up pretty quick, even, you know, even with just 10% being CLP submissions. 
Well, Jim, I appreciate the update. We could we could spend an hour on SPA easily, and in fact, I'd like to invite you back to do that the week after next. If you'd like to join me, then we can spend the full hour going more deeply into um, the world of SBA lending as pertains to franchising. I'd be pleased to do it, Stan. Thanks for your time today. And well, thanks for the update, Jim. And I look forward to seeing you and the Key Bank team at the IFA convention in just a few weeks. And we'll let see me you in the- uh, sunny Las Vegas. <laughs> and let me toot let me toot the horn for Key Bank here before we let Jim go. And let the audience know that KeyBank's made a tremendous commitment to franchising in general, and I'll have a team of people at the booth at IFA to demonstrate that. But moreover, they've made a financial commitment as well to the IFA's Educational Foundation in support of education and communication intended to advance financial wellness for potential and existing franchisees in low and moderate income communities. You'll be hearing a lot more about that in the weeks ahead, and and, uh, we'll have Jim back Um, the week after next to talk more about Key's role in franchising and SBA lending. Thanks again for joining us, Jim Fliss. Thanks, Dan. Have a great day. And right now, it's time to introduce you to today's featured guest and a new sponsor here on Franchise Today, Jim Farrell, Vice President of Solink, so that he can tell us how restaurant and retail operators can revolutionize the way their locations use video to identify and solve transactional problems that affect franchise businesses daily and get more juice out of the squeeze from their existing point-of-sale systems and security hardware. Jim, welcome to Franchise Today. Thanks, Dan. Really glad to be here and uh, looking forward to a good chat. So um, any comments about uh, us, you know, us wusses here in the U.S. that are screaming about the weather when it's a way of life for you up in Canada probably half the year long? <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, we're we're definitely I sit in Ottawa, Canada, which is definitely a colder part of of the country. Obviously, not the coldest part as you get more north and and all that stuff. But we're very used to cold. We're very used to snow. But that doesn't necessarily mean we like it, um, and that doesn't mean it's easy to deal with. Um, the lucky, you know, we really um, sort of you know have a heavy heart when we see our American brothers and sisters dealing with intense cold or unexpected snow or ice. I mean, we saw snow in the desert, you know, this year. This this stuff is hard when you don't have the infrastructure, the equipment, uh, the clothes <laughs> uh, to to deal with it. So um, we actually look uh, not in sort of uh, in, a, in an eye of, you know, well, they're getting what we're used to. It's it's They're not as well equipped as we are, and, and so we, you know, whatever we can do to help them, um, we try to do, and so like everything in our partnership with with uh, our friends in the United States of America, um, you know, comes with a with an em- an empathy aspect of it as well, for sure. Well, you've got a future in polit- politics someday when you retire from the business world, there, Jim, because that was a very very politically correct and well balanced answer to <laughs> to my question. So <laughs> we're going to talk today. We're going to talk today about how you guys at Solink have done to loss prevention systems what Apple and Android have done to cell phones. You've made them smarter, and it's an amazing thing that can be done with um, existing technology that takes a second bite of the Apple and helps operators gain some real business intelligence. But we're going to stop talking about that for a moment until we first talk about you. So every week on Franchise Today, we've made it uh, for years and years the same question from our guests are, uh, how franchising and you got together, or how did you get into this world in the first place? Let's learn a little bit more about you, the person, and then we're going to talk a whole lot more about Soul Link, 
the company. For sure, yeah. So um, born and raised in Ottawa, Canada. Um, I've worked for mainly technology companies in a lot of different spaces, um, anything from um, data compliance, if you go back to, if everybody remembers WorldCom and Enron, um, and what happens when you delete, um, you know, records and deal with insider trading and stuff like that. So the early part of my career was working for um, a software company that was originally birthed out of a, a project with the Canadian federal government, which is still one of the largest litigations in Crown history, um, which is, yeah, is a, you know, a, a private company. Um, suing the Canadian government for billions of dollars. And so um, it gave birth to this new way to deal with uh, compliance data requests, which are just common practice today. I mean, almost 20 years later, um, you know, electronic record keeping um, is table stakes for any business that has records, right? So, but back then it wasn't. And so, um, you know, seeing what happens when you go to a business and show them a uh, dramatically different way of running something that is very painful, sometimes has legal ramifications, but is really costly, and, and watching a market evolve from that, watching customers realize this value. And so I've sort of stayed in that, that world um, through a couple of different cycles here, uh, spent a long time in that world, uh, went to materials compliance. So um, if you're used to buying, you know, uh, tables and chairs and counters and machines and all this stuff, every little aspect of that has to do uh, some compliance checking as well. So, you know, your fryer, the metal that's used there, any of the copper that's used, they come from parts of the world that maybe have uh, things like conflict minerals and stuff like that. So we spent some, spent some time there. It was the same idea, taking a very old process of surveying suppliers to figure out what the source of their materials was um, and worked for a, a company that, you know, revolutionized that and automated that. Take what you're existingly doing and, you know, give it that, that smartness like you're talking about. Um, and also did this in the you know, sort of a, a middle part of my career. I was part of the evolution of, you know, what is commonly referred to as cloud computing. Um, when we started it back in um, the, uh, the late uh, 2010s, um, it didn't have a name uh, called cloud. Uh, we called it utility computing. Um, and I was with a company that uh, did some very big technology in, uh, innovations in that same idea, taking, you know, and this, this, this is where it relates, right, It's taking somebody who, um, you know, we used to kind of joke it was two guys and a dog in a basement building the next farm bill, you know, or building Facebook games or building some application that might change the world uh, for people to use on their mobile devices. And they couldn't compete with the big companies who have access to data centers and server farms. And all of a sudden, this utility computing sort of rent-as-you-go gave the two guys and the dog just as much computing power and ability to scale um, as any of the, you know, billion-dollar companies that they may have been competing with. Um, and so when I was um, at a change of career, I was looking for a company that had some of those same things. I found this company, Solink, and they had all the right, you know, checked all my boxes, right? We're disrupting a very kind of fat and lazy market in the traditional surveillance security space. We are able to help the little guy um, have the power that the big guys have without dealing with incurring the staffing or, you know, resources or costs uh, to get the same level of benefit out of an advanced system um, that, you know, any mom and pop can use, right? So instead of two guys and a dog, it might be Bob and Sally Smith who own three restaurants inside of a franchise brand. And so it just worked perfectly for all the things that I, that I seek out. What I was surprised by as I got into this world is just how amazing the franchise community and uh, industry is and getting to spend time, you know, being IFA members, getting to spend time uh, with, with, you know, people that have been in the game like you or Mr. Jerry Darnell or Ryan Hicks or any of these guys, um, you know, spending time with the Zors and the Zs at different shows and hearing what their business is like and what their challenges are like and what, you know, what motivated them to get into franchising 
Um, it's been quite a, uh, a fun ride and adventure uh, when you can hear the impact it has on families, um, generations of families, and I think that's something that not enough of the world, uh, but let's say at least not enough of uh, North America understands. Um, you know, and it ties to why we want to protect people. Is we want to protect the brand and the franchisee and the franchisor, but, you know, not everybody knows when something happens at a random quick service restaurant that it's not the company necessarily. It might be a franchisee involved. And that kind of duality of, of ownership of um, a shared brand between these two parties is fascinating, but I, I wish more people understood it the way I understand it now. So we're going to try to get that message out along with our partners. Well, I can't think of a culture that is any richer than franchising when it comes to the spirit of giving. And a lot of our franchisor members and franchisee members in the IFA are all very much a part of that, that kind of uh, mindset. But it's not often that suppliers bring that same conversation to the table in terms of passion for sharing and giving. You guys have um, – have done quite a bit of that already, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we, again, we are, you know, all in in this in this space as far as like what we, again, we have a, a solution that anybody with cameras and, and transactions can use, but we really focus on uh, franchises and things like that because, again, it it's a, a, an ability for us to um, disrupt the market, um, help the little guy, um, and, and the big guy at the same time, right? There's sort of a, a two-party system here. Um, and part of that is also what it means to these communities, right? When we talk to franchisees and they say, look, you know, I have this to, you know, be my own boss and it's, you know, le- less risky to, to work with an existing brand and I can help my family and I can help my community. And it's this constant thread and you can watch any, you know, go to any franchising link on any brand's website and you're going to get a video of some franchisee explaining um, you know, what the business means to them. And every time it's something about community, and I think that's really, really important. And so for us it's important to um, either extend or create an echo of that. And so one of the things we did over the last year is we worked with a um, a large brand under uh, Restaurant Brands International called Tim Hortons, um, which some of you may be familiar with depending on where you are in the U.S. And if you're in Canada, you're definitely familiar with it. It's kind of a Canadian iconic brand, but owned by, by Restaurant Brands International now out of Miami. And um, they have this long-running, you know, as far back as I can remember, uh, Tim Hortons Children's Foundation. And it's an opportunity for underprivileged kids in all the communities across Canada um, and I think expanding into other parts of the world to get a summer camp that will teach them life skills, leadership skills, uh, gets them away from potentially uh, challenging home issues or gets them away from, you know, in some cases the streets, right? And so, you know, our youth is our future, and, and we just, you know, we wanted to figure out what could we do. And we've always donated along our four-year uh, relationship with the brand. We've always donated. This year we decided to make a more significant pledge. So we basically said every time somebody adds a location uh, to our service, we're going to donate $100 to the foundation, and then if we hit a certain milestone, we will double that. And so we were able to um, donate uh, just a couple weeks ago $100,000 cash to the Tim Hortons Children's Foundation, um, and we're looking for what our next opportunity is with that uh, particular foundation. But also, this is how we partner with our customers from a brand perspective. So we're looking at lots of uh, Feed the Hungry campaigns that are across multiple brands. How do we work with a you know a brand like, a, let's say, like a Jack in the Box and work with their foundations because we've had good support from their uh, corporation at the Zor level, their franchisees at the Z level. Um, and so where we're seeing some place where we can actually make scalable or significant impact by our partnership with a brand, you know, tying to those charities to help all the, you know, the uh, regions and communities that fall there under uh, through the franchising system. So we'll do well, a lot hats more. off. 
hats off to you, and that's that's extremely commendable. And um, you're you're speaking like somebody who's been around franchising all his life, not just you know recently. So um, sharing that with others and with our audience is great, and it's, and it's very inspirational to hear that uh, supplier members of IFA have that caring and sharing um, disposition as well as the franchisor franchising membership. Thank you, Solink, for that. So let's talk a little bit about Solink and how everybody in the food business, whether it's a restaurant, retail store, in and out of food, uh, everybody's got security systems and everybody's rolling tape or rolling digital and has cameras up that if an event were to occur, you know, you could go back to a time code and you could grab 11 p.m. last night and look at the video and see what was there as a reaction to something that occurred. But my understanding of Solink and its AI and its, its smarts is that it's able to proactively see events in the course of the day that enable a, a, an operator of a location, we be it mom-pop or a multi-unit operator, even off-site, not in the restaurant anytime during the day, to see trend lines that are showing him things that he needs to go back and look at, and it points you right to it. Let's talk about the, the equivalent of the smartphone in store security. Yeah, and that's that's a, that's a great um, you know metaphor for it. So you have this you know device or the set of devices or the system, and you use it for one purpose and one purpose only today, right? And that you know that's the old phone. It made phone calls. Um, you know, you might have been able to squeeze out text messages using the, the, the you know, the numerical <laughs> dialing um, to, right. to create your, so, you know, it wasn't very efficient, it wasn't very uh, fun to use and all that stuff. And so you had this, you know, necessity, I need to be able to make phone calls. It's the same thing. You have a necessity. Think of it as like having insurance. If something bad happens, I want to be able to, you know, go to the video clip. Um, the problem is it's not a video clip. It's a 24-hour, ideally you have the, the, the data sometimes. When you go to look at something and you're using a, you know, think of a DVR. If you don't use your DVR for, um, you know, a year and then all of a sudden something very bad happens, as soon as you start to try to use it, it might break on you. And so these types of things where, um, you know, again, a necessary evil, I've got a cost, usually right at the start of my, you know, venture in this new location. I've broken ground. I've got everything. I've got all my suppliers, and I've got to add security cameras. And it's just another cost, right? And so... You know, it's a cost that's not giving you return on investment. You, you buy supplies that turn into, you know, the, the great food that you provide to your customers or product that you sell to your customers. You're, you're getting a return on the investment. Every one of your, um, you know, machines and tools that you use to produce that has a return. Um, the investments in cleaning and all that stuff and customer experience and your marketing, that all has a return. Your cameras don't, right? Your camera's return is, I'm going to have this insurance policy when I need it. And so we look at that as a, an area for disruption. Of, again, a sort of a kind of a fat and lazy industry. It's like you're gonna have to buy cameras from somebody. I'm the guy that called you today, or I'm the local guy or gal, and you know you're gonna buy cameras from somebody. I hope you buy them from me, and here's the best price. You know that that's not a value um, purchase for the average business. So we said, well, why isn't it right? Uh, why can't we take something that is like that, give it a software um, integration, and let that software continue to evolve? with the needs of a user, right, a customer of ours. And so that's what we did. So we said, how do we work with existing cameras? We figured out a way to do that. All different kinds of cameras, if you have um, digital cameras or analog cameras, doesn't matter to us, we work with them all. Um, if you have, you know, a point-of-sale system for restaurant or a point-of-sale system for retail, we integrate with them. And so by integrating with the existing tools, our upfront, you know, cost footprint is, you know, in a lot of cases, zero. 
because we're using the existing systems, and then we're going to apply this value-based technology to it to turn them into smart cameras and smart point-of-sale, where we combine these two things to add a new level of intelligence, which is I have data about every transaction, and I have video of every transaction. If I have that, is there a way for a system or a machine, and we talk about machine learning and artificial intelligence, can the machine learn what is a bad transaction versus a good transaction, um, a potential upsell versus you know, a missed opportunity for upsell, um, a good customer experience versus a bad customer experience, um, a highly trained employee versus an employee that needs training, uh, somebody stealing versus somebody who's just had an issue with um, you know, simple math or has been you know, taken by a customer or has been you know, dealing with fraud or something like that. And so we answer all those questions with a solution. Right? At the end of the day, we'll tell you the difference between those two, and we'll generally show you the bad and the good, depending on what you want to look at. So we want to show you that Susan is your top employee for upsell and show you examples of her interactions with customers that allow her to do that so that you can then share that with all your staff and say, please do what Susan does. We're also going to show you when uh, Ricky um, you know, is stealing from you, so you can say, don't do what Ricky does. And so between these things, you can actually take any of your policies, any of your process, and not just tell or teach, but show. Um, that's actually a quote from one of our customers where she, you know, a woman named Betty York who's a franchisee out of Nova Scotia, Canada, um, has a couple locations. It's a family business that she wants to hand down to her kids. You know, she, that's what she's done. She said, if I show them, you know, the good and the bad and sort of say, please do, please don't, um, then I'm going to potentially eliminate my theft and I'm going to increase my productivity. And when I increase my productivity, I get better output. So she's shrinking her, her cost and increasing her growth effectively putting money in her own pocket from a margin perspective, and that's the game when you're a franchisee. That margin is, 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 your, is your income at the end of the day so, and where you're going to future invest. So um, if you have rising food costs or rising wage costs, which we've seen our customers deal with and help them through it, um, you need to increase that margin. So reducing costs is an easy approach. We can help you do that. You know, that's a no-brainer return on investment, immediate return on investment. Um, but how do you also increase your top line through this by having better customer service um, better engagements, more meaningful engagements with your customers and your community um, by being able to have your employees at their absolute most optimal uh, level of effectiveness every day if you can't, if you can't show them how to do that. We're going to cut, unpack all of this in the course of the show yeah, today, sorry. but I, wanna, I want to rewind the tape, though, to something that I want to underscore because I don't, think, sure. I don't think everybody might have grabbed this the first time it was stated, and that is you can do all of this with your existing cameras and your existing point of sale. This is not a required uh, purchase for you to go out and buy a whole new set of hardware to power this tool. Is that correct? That's correct. And I mean, the again, the, the pains, right? So we talk to a lot of different franchisees and franchisors for that matter. And some of the pains are, you know, a franchisee can't afford a dedicated IT staff, technical staff. They, you know, they don't know local people, you know, all the time that can do things for them for the best price. They don't have time to shop for the best price. So what if everything is, you know, delivered as a service in a sense of you call Solink, we figure out what you have, we figure out what you need from us um, to, to integrate with that. We deliver it in a monthly, you know, subscription. Everything is covered in that monthly subscription, and then we'll source the local people that are experts, that are certified by us to go in and make sure everything connects together and everything works. All of your training and onboarding and support is all included in at one price. So it is delivered as a service, so you don't have to have an IT person or a technical person. And so uh, being able to work with the existing systems means that, um, again, it's just another pain in the process or a barrier to leveraging this type of technology that we try to remove. 
um, and, and, and it's very accurate uh, as the biggest savings. You don't need anything new. What you've got is good enough. And uh, if through our system we show you ways to, you know, add to that. So an example would be very few people use what's called a fisheye camera or a 360 camera that would give you a panoramic view of your whole, you know, your whole restaurant or store um, because they don't really work right out of the box. We've made them work very good. So think of sticking your head through your ceiling from you're sitting on a beach in Mexico, hopefully, and your store in Minneapolis, you know, is having an issue or you want to check in. Think of being able to stick your head through the ceiling virtually and look in any direction. And so that's what we've done with these 360 cameras. So you may evolve through using our tool. Um, once you've seen the value, you've got the return on the investment. That all happens, you know, usually within two weeks uh, of deploying our solution. Now you can start to get better equipment to do more with the technology. But your, your, your point is uh, very important. You don't need anything new to start. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman, and I'm talking today with Jim Farrell, VP of Sales for Solink. This segment of Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where Paul Segreto and his team have been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years, providing them the guidance and wisdom needed to assure sustainable growth as they build out their brands. They achieve this by both coaching and consulting their clients, delivering more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as their franchisees. Practical, hands-on experience and expertise is what the Foundry provides for their clients in general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and of course, franchise recruitment and development. To learn more about how the Franchise Foundry can take your brand to the next level, pay them a visit at www.franchisefoundry.com. Franchise Today also brought to you by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospects and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be managed digitally and scored with FRM. Make today the day that you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchise records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost. No excuses, just solutions. On the web at frmsolutions.com. So, Jim, we've got a lot to unpack further here because you shared a ton of information in the first half of of the show. And literally, I think that you've taken what could be thought of as uh, a singular service of loss prevention and broadened the scope to coaching, to training, uh, to value from mom and pop to the multi-unit offsite uh, franchisee. And I see huge value to franchisors who may not be your direct, um, the direct purchasers or buyers of your service, but any franchisor who has a focus on unit-level economics has got to be tuned in and listening to this because literally in the penny profit business of restaurants, as you've indicated, uh, you can make a huge impact on what goes in the till versus what's spilling out the back door, can't you? 
You can. I mean, uh, we we work with with you know just as many franchisors at the end of the day because um, we are working with brands that have maybe been um, you know household names at one time and are on, in their revitalization stage and um, that have you know consumed uh, their their locations back into corporate, put in new leadership, put in new structure, and are going back to grow. Um, that's hard to do, right? Um, when you have an existing brand that has been around for a while, it's much harder to do if you have, you know, a brand new brand. So um, we work with all different sizes from the, you know, thousands of unit uh, type type Zors to, you know, the 50 unit Zor who's just starting to grow to, we have a meeting today with a, you know, four unit Zor who, you know, they own two of their four and they're wanting to expand to 10 by the end of the year. And, and so what it comes down to is a couple of big areas there for, for, as far as value. I think when we're talking about percentage points and penny profits and all these kinds of things, I mean, that should be, you know, sort of easy. If we can, um, I'll give you an example. We have a, a Zor who is putting in new menu items, um, several uh, fairly significant new menu items. And those new menu items are, you know, something that goes down to the Z, and they need to now start to promote that and push that, train their teams on what they are, how to make them, all that stuff. Um, you know, is there, they can go look at a spreadsheet and say, um, you know, these aren't selling very well or these are selling well, but you know, to be able to go into and look at the context, you know, completely, right? So look at the how often are these items with other items, right? Or how often, you know, if I've introduced a lunch item to a breakfast environment, at lunchtime are people buying breakfast or are they buying lunch? Um, and then to be able to see um, abnormalities, like why isn't this happening, and go right into the video and see that there's no real option for it, there's no real signage for it, the menu board hasn't changed. When you look at data in a spreadsheet, you can draw conclusions, but they're conclusions with uh, a huge component of the data missing, and the data for us would be the video there. So there's big things when you think of, um, again, the Zor and the Z coming together to increase um, your top line around new products and items because that's an easy way. I mean, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's one of the big ways to increase uh, profitability for both, both groups, but ultimately your top line for both groups. Um, you know, also, you know, loss often come out of the Z's pocket. And so when we talk about having integrations or being supportive of tools that help you avoid loss, that's showing your franchisee that you're trying to recruit potentially, especially if they're used to these types of things. The franchisee that you're trying to recruit sees that you use technology to the advantage of both the Z and the Zor, right, and to the customer and to everybody involved, the employees, um, because technology, you know, doesn't just exist because it's fun. It exists because it has purpose and value. And so that's a, a, another great example where you have technology available to your Z that helps them minimize or eliminate their loss, which increases their profit. If over time using a solution like this across an entire brand uh, demonstrates a higher operating profit that ends up in an FDD, I mean, you can sort of follow the chain, right? I think it's, it's pretty sure. straightforward. Um, on the other side of that, when you leave things traditionally, and we've, we've sort of observed this trend, uh, franchisors will leave things like security systems um, up to their franchisee. And so the Zor potentially loses uh, control over a, a simple piece that might touch the network. And we've seen, um, especially in Canada, we've seen actually some significant breaches over the last year, you know, uh, almost a year to the day since it was a major significant breach uh, with, a, with a large brand up here, um, where the entry point for breach, when we think of malware and ransomware, these are very serious things uh, when it comes to these systems because they prey on the idea of a franchise model because the network isn't as locked down. And so if right. you have a off-the-shelf DVR that connects to the Internet inside of your corporate network, that could be an entry point with a password of admin and uh, you know a, a username of admin. 
and you know, there's people that specifically build technology to go tax that, and all of a sudden ransomware has come in through one of your Zs, and it's come in through a DVR. That's impossible with us. In fact, we were named um, a Schedule A approved vendor for a brand specifically because we were the only thing on their network they couldn't penetrate. Um, so we, I mean, we take security very seriously, not just from a physical security of, a, of, a, of an environment or a bricks-and-mortar building, but the uh, virtual security uh, from a cybersecurity perspective. And so, um, again, taking something that might be off the shelf like your cameras and putting them into a smart environment means smart security as well. And that's important for the brand. The, the breach happens at the Z. It hits the corporate network. The whole, the whole organization is breached. And again, there are many examples of that over the last year. Major revenue loss, too. You talked some about how even a four-unit brand-new emerging franchisor is deploying your tool. So yeah. how, do we get, how do we get people to learn more about how easy it is to deploy Solink and, and what kind of training and support uh, does Solink provide for somebody who's an operator of a restaurant and may not have the proclivity to understanding the back end of, of – the technology that drives the intelligence that Solink delivers. So they're they're used to spreadsheets, but what about your environment? How easy is it for them to learn to to make this technology work? Well, I think that that too, right? So we, I think, good businesses listen to their customers. I mean, that's that's clear. I mean, you can go back into any great business anywhere in the world. You know, all of them have some chain of either a feature or a function or a campaign or a slogan or some menu item or something like that that comes from an idea from some customer somewhere. And listening to your customers is how you get those, right? And I think, you know, I advise, <laughs> um, and, it, and it seems no-brainer, but we'd be amazed at how um, how often we, you know, we sort of talk to people about how they collect their, their feedback from their customers, and it still seems um, like there's some, some work to do there. Um, but dude, talking to your customers and hearing, you know, what would you like to have, you know, on the menu? What, what do you think is missing from our menu? It's the same thing we do. We build our technology with our customers, not just for our customers, but with our customers. So everything you see feature-wise um, in our system has probably been something that, you know, uh, some user of ours or, or an owner of an operation or a franchisor, you know, IT group or something like that has said, it would be really cool if you guys could do this. And so we often just start building that for them. We have a feedback mechanism directly in our mobile application and our web application, which is how we deliver this technology. It's mobile and web. Access, you know, access anything in your restaurant, anywhere in the world, any time of the day from any device is, is you know, one of the sort of taglines here, right? Um, and so when we had a customer say, it would be really cool if I could draw on the, you know, like just draw on one of my camera shots around this particular inventory area where I'm, I think I'm losing inventory and just see when people touch that. And three months later, we released that feature where it is, that's the best way to describe it. Look at your camera through our web application or our mobile app, draw on the camera on the box that you think is, is being stolen, and you'll be able to click through like a playlist of every time somebody touched that. Pretty advanced feature. That came from a customer who wanted to see if their garbage was picked up on January 1st last year. Because uh, they lost $500 when the guy said, no, I came and the garbage wasn't there. His staff said the garbage was there. You know, he wasn't there because he was enjoying, hopefully, a day off on New Year's Day. Um, and $500 out of his pocket. You know, we watched video with him. That's part of our service is to help with these investigations. And proved that, you know, he's owed $500 or a free garbage pickup. It was his idea, could I just draw? And uh, so a year later at the franchise convention for that, uh, the owner's convention for that brand, um, he was there, and I said, I mean, what do you think of the feature? And he's like, it is exactly what I told you I wanted. 
And so for us, the usability is our number one feature. The fact that anybody from a 17-year-old part-timer to your season manager to your, um, let's say, non-millennial general manager to the person that's working only, you know, only night shifts but is senior enough, maybe in their, you know, late mid to late 50s, uh, to the owner, to your CFO, everybody should be able to use this tool. If you can use Facebook or Twitter, uh, you can use Netflix or YouTube when we think of video, you can use our solution. It's all built to be as intuitive as possible for the, um, you know, it's, uh, the best way to say it is the lowest common denominator. Can somebody pick this up at any level of technology expertise, um, at any age group, at any level of professional training or education, pick this up and use it without any instruction? And the answer is yes. And all the departments and multitudes of people that can be benefiting from this, I, I'm sitting here just trying in my mind's eye to picture the conversation that you kind of detailed in the first half of the program about catching somebody doing something right and seeing yeah. the upsell or seeing behavior that's positive that can become a coaching tool to show to others. How easy is it for operators to be able to do that? How many minutes a day can somebody spend or would somebody spend to try to get a comprehensive understanding of some of the trend lines that are occurring in their restaurant? Well, I think the good news is we want to minimize the minutes they spend trying to do that. So we do um, uh, lots of different levels of reporting. Uh, that's highly customizable. We don't sort of, you know, again, we've built a customizable solution, but we don't build customized solutions, if that makes sense, where out of the box, um, you could change your needs. Um, you know, one of the things we observe in the franchise world is it's challenging with point-of-sale vendors, as an example, who there's so many of them because many of them, their very first customer, um, customize the product for their need, and then it's not really applicable to many other customers. Um, and so that's why there's so many point-of-sale systems, which drives us, you know, probably just as much as it drives all of you guys. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, and so, you know, that, that sort of evolution, right? So we don't have that problem. We can allow pretty intense levels of customization. You want to look for good and bad. You want to look for good or bad. Um, daily reporting, highlighting, you know, just think of it as surfacing to the top, the things you should look at. And if you're trying to report on both, you're going to get both. It's going to be crystal clear. Come into an email and say, these are things you may want to review because you've expressed an interest in these types of things. So a training opportunity here, a potential theft there, you know, having those things combined. We can do this in real time even. So this thing just happened. Somebody closed a, you know, $45 transaction when, you know, or greater than $45 transaction when our average transaction is $9.37. Do you want to know when that happens in the moment? So you can specifically go look at that transaction that day and saw what the components of that were. Was it somebody that was, you know, a family that doubled their order or was it, you know, just something where uh, somebody came in and ordered uh, for a group of people? Uh, that, that immediacy of figuring out, well, we want them to come back, right? So let's stop them at the door and make sure that they had a good experience or let's see if they had a good experience. Real-time can be beneficial for the on-site manager or the general manager. And then weekly reporting might be bigger trend lines. So um, how are your voids looking, you know, over the week? Do we find that we're having too many voids? Um, do we find that discount to total ratios are creeping up? Um, and so these sort of more, you know, sort of macro trends. Um, and we can plot this out just in showing those reports, or we can show it generally um, as a form of chart. So reporting and dashboards. I don't want you watching a lot of video. In fact, our solution is built to make you watch as minimal amount of actual footage as possible. Our system is going to watch, you know, hundreds of millions of hours, you know, worth of footage across all of our customers for you. Um, we only want you looking at the stuff that's going to improve your business. And so the, the minutes is if you spend, you know, more than, uh, than you know, half an hour in our system in a day, um, that's great. We, we, we hope you're using the system that much, but um, that would be the majority, and that's going to set you up to save ideally an hour 
of, of time, either driving to a location that you don't need to drive through because everything's good, um, or you know, making it more efficient throughout the day um, uh, with your staff. So there's lots of different use cases, but um, yeah, a couple minutes to save a couple hours um, or a couple minutes to generate uh, a couple percentage points, you know, that's kind of the equation we're going for. It almost seems to me that you've got probably three different conversations at, at the very least that you need to be having with people at a, at a convention like IFA. Um, yeah. your, your message is going to make so much sense to a field ops person yeah. And a different a different message for a different reason is going to make a great deal of of sense to somebody in finance and and you know in compliance. Um, and your tool is benefiting everyone from the bottom up. I can't see a, I can't see a, anyone in this scenario that doesn't come up all winners. I mean aces all the way around. Um, what about the well, small I'll, operator? I'll, I was gonna I was gonna challenge you on that, Stan, because there is. There is a loser in this scenario, and it's the people that are not good for your business. They're your no. bad apples. They they tend to lose, um, and so uh, so that's that's the only correction I'll give you there. Fair and equitable. You want I'll them out that. of your business. Yeah. <laughs> Fair and equitable. Who's yeah. too small for this, Jim? Is there anyone that this is too that can't afford this? I mean, to me, the ROI factor alone says I'm going to want this because it's kind of like marketing. The more you spend, the more you're going to return. So why don't you want to spend more for marketing if it's going to bring you back more to your bottom line? Here, too, um, cost-wise, is it prohibitive at any level, or is the ROI just an, a no-brainer even for a single-unit operator? No, that's a good question, and I don't want to just sort of sit here with a, a big pitch for the solution. So I'll give you the, the you know, sort of the raw skinny of it here, right? Is um, At the end of the day, um, if you have a single location or you are multi-unit, or you multi-unit, multi-brand, again, the diseases or any level of, um, you know, especially in the franchise world, any level of customer, we have an affordability uh, aspect. Again, it's a subscription basis. We don't do lock-in contracts, uh, so you can cancel any time. We do basically a cancellation fee versus having you pay at the contract because we know how much franchises, really any uh, restaurant or retail operator, business or small business operator in the sense of kind of a local business, they don't like to be locked into contracts for multiple years, so we don't lock you in or anything like that. So that's that's all well and good, so it makes it affordable. But I will say that there's certain uh, profiles when we look at who we want to work with from a customer perspective, again, giving you sort of the, the raw aspect of here versus the political answer. The raw aspect is there's a, there's, there's there are units that make small amounts of revenue per year um, where if you don't have the right number of units, you know, people that are – um, sitting there where their operating profit is, you know, generating them, you know, just above minimum wage kind of thing. Where if if you're not if you're not in a business that's generating you more than you know half a million dollars um, in uh, an average unit volume, or your margins are very paper thin, you know, getting below eight percent or anything like that, um, it can be hard to afford really anything uh, for that matter. And this might be either a way to increase your percentage, but traditionally we see where that's uh, our challenge in presenting a great value equation, single unit, sub $500,000 in, in, in annual revenue, and margins below 8%. It's really hard for them to buy anything um, sure. you know, for, for their business, and that's sort of the line. Uh, you know, and again, even then, we have a pile of those, right? We work with um, brands like Cold Stone Creamery, which aren't you know, massive and only operate for a portion of the year, or like a Dairy Queen that only operates for a portion of the year. Again, not locking in contracts help with the, helps with the value equation there, but they're not bringing in you know, millions of dollars every year for those particular units are very small kiosky type units. We have um, cost equations 
um, that we work with on those vendors. We want everybody to benefit from the solution. Um, and so, you know, if we can make it work, we'll make it work. But just, just you know, who buys our solution the most, that's that's usually the line. Well, and that makes nothing but sense, again, as well. I mean, if somebody's sub those numbers, they're really not in business anyway, um, to the point where they'd need this kind of a powerful tool to to drive the business further. They, they've got other needs, to, to your point. Um, yeah. Tell us about IFA and and convention, what is it that you're looking to accomplish at IFA this year? And tell the audience what they can learn and see. Are you going to be doing demos at the convention? Will people be able to actually see the software work? Yeah, I mean, uh, the uh, I'm talking and, and and trying to describe a lot here, but I'll, I'll I'll you know I'll tell your audience what if you haven't seen what we've got, come you know definitely stop by the IFA booth that we have there. Again, the selling booth. I don't have, I don't think the number yet, but of course, will be easy to find. Um, and and seeing a demo, we we believe that people seeing the product is is you know the best way for us to you know educate on the value because it's kind of when you see it, you get it. Um, so we'll have you know demos there. We'll have iPads with those 360 views on there. Um, we'll have a couple of our top guys at the particular event, um, and you know they'll be there to you know specifically just educate and show. Um, you know, if you want to buy on the spot, we have a mechanism to do that as well. But because uh, it's that easy to to you know, take on Solink, um, but seeing it is believing. And we're also starting to do that across you know our website. We're doing you know sign up for our newsletter, and you'll be told about our public demos where you don't have to talk to a, a salesperson just to see Solink. We want everybody to see it, um, and so you don't have to feel like you're in a salesperson pressure environment or anything like that. That's not really how we sell, but you know perception of salespeople, right? So. Uh, seeing it at an event or seeing it through one of our uh, monthly webinars is a great way to take a look at it without, you know, um, needing to be engaged with uh, a person who's going to, you know, try to, you know, ultimately try to help your business. But some people just want to see, and, and IFA is a great way to do that. And I think for all the vendors there is, you know, if you're going to IFA, the vendors are there, you know, to, to sell you stuff, of course, and to advertise to you. But um, the ones that are showing off the product, I think those are the ones that when I go to, you know, a uh, convention, if you're going to show me what you got versus tell me what you got, you know I'm I'm a little more I'm a little more sold on that. And the other thing we want to you know see at IFA is uh, we want to see all the talks. We want to see Gary. We want to see all the you know all the talks. We believe that if we know um, as intimately uh, the franchise world as our franchise customers, that's the only way we can help their business. We're not just trying to sell technology. I want your business to grow so that I can sell you more units. It's the same way you know everything works right in the franchise world is more units, unit right. economics. So I need your business to be successful so you're opening new stores, and that's how I'm successful over time. Um, and so we'd like to learn how that's done. And, we, you know, we steal techniques from the franchise community on, on how to do that, right, how to improve your business and how to help our customers grow is something that we, uh, we love about IFA. And, and just, you know, see all, see all the friendly faces and, and close friends that, uh, that we've accumulated over, over the year being IFA, uh, IFA members. Jim, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wish that I did? Well, I mean, I'll get, I'll, I'll do the, the. Uh, I think the whole thing's been a bit of a shameless plug, but in the context of helping, right? But the shameless plug is, you know, if you want to take a look at what we've got, very simple, solink.com, S-O-L-I-N-K. Think of it as security and operations linked, S-O-L-I-N-K.com. Um, and if you want to just learn about, you know, how certain declutter techniques or how you should uh, decorate your bathrooms or anything like that, we don't just, you know, on our website, we don't just talk about our solution. Uh, we educate um, restaurant owners and, and retailers, so check out the resources section. And of course, you can always book a tour at the top right. And uh, our sales team and our uh, marketing teams and even our support teams are all built of people who've worked in the industry. They've worked in restaurants. They've worked in retail. 
You know, one of our top customer support people spent many years working at a Starbucks. One of our top sales reps spent many years working at a Boston Pizza. Um, and so that's part of why we hire, because they can relate to the, to the environment. Um, we have ex-GMs of restaurants that sit on our sales team. Um, we don't just hire, you know, ex-technology, uh, you know, uh, heavy hitter salespeople. We want our, our sales team to be a support and a consultant. Um, and so booking a tour with one of them, uh, just know that you're not going to get, you know, somebody asking for your credit card right away. You're going to ask for some, you're going to get somebody that's asking how they can help your business. Well, I can't thank, uh, you gave him a shout out earlier, and I can't thank Jerry Darnell and, and uh, Ryan Hicks enough for introducing me to Martin. The first time I learned about Solink, I was hooked that this was something that was absolutely phenomenal. A no, no lose situation for anyone who uses it. And um, I'm proud to have you today as a guest. And moreover, proud to have you as a new sponsor of the front of the house here on Franchise Today. Jim, looking forward to seeing the entire team out at IFA. And uh, thanks for sharing with our audience today and helping them educate on the different ways that Solink can do a whole lot more than just catch somebody doing something wrong, but help you grow your business and train your people up to a higher level using modern technology like that provided by Solink. Thanks again, Jim, for being my guest today. My pleasure, Stan. Appreciate it. And that's going to wrap another edition of Franchise Today. Um, next week, please come back and join me when Tom Portizzi, uh, CEO of MFV Expos, is going to be making a return appearance. But we're not going to be talking about expos and shows next week. Rather, we're going to be discussing a new product that MFV has acquired. It's actually a competition. It's the best franchisee of the world competition. And it's going to start here in the U.S., uh, right now, between now and, and June at IFE, where we will be showcasing and announcing the winner of the best franchisee in the USA competition. This competition is going to be multinational. It's going to take part across 10 or 12 countries where a team of judges will be selecting the best franchisee in their nation, and all of these winners will be joining together in December 12th in Florence, Italy, as, as um, winners of their country, and, and competing for the title of best franchisee in the world. I'm proud to be joined by Amy Chang, Dr. John Hayes, Eric Stites, and Therese Tilgen as the five judges in the USA. And Tommy will be here next week on the program to talk more about the competition and uh, how franchisors can get involved nominating their best of the best of breed and their systems to compete in this competition. More about it next week. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out.